Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, so let's go ahead and get your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Peter for me. We are in part two of our series, I Was Wondering. And as Pastor Cody said, we're just going to tackle a few uh, questions here that I think really as we you know, get prayer requests and we talk to people and people come meet with us or maybe we're, or we're visiting with them in the main lobby or, uh, again, prayer requests, a lot of these topics are typically things that we uh, face. They're asking them, and so we're trying to give people uh, spiritual guidance, if you will, look at the Scripture, encouraging them in the Word. So we're going to take a few of those through this series. Last week we talked about how do I handle pressure. I feel like there's so much pressure in life anymore. It just gets more and more, more and more pressure. We looked at something coming from the outside trying to make its way in. Uh, today was in my heart to tackle the topic, how do I, how do I handle anxiety? And in just the reality of life is stress and worry and anxiety are just continually on the rise. They lead to so many other things in our life. And the Bible has some great things to say about that. We want to tackle that today. I felt like we're going to look at something that manifests on the inside trying to work its way on the outside. And so we're going to do that. And of course, you know, the next couple of weeks coming up. But Peter is kind of, uh, man, one of my heroes of faith for sure. And I just seem like when I'm in a really tough spot, I feel like I go to Peter because Peter's a guy I can relate to. He's just this crazy wild guy at times and just making mistakes all the time and just his humanity shows and everything he does. So I feel like he's a great one to listen to. And he has some writings here in First Peter that he's giving instruction to the church and he's telling them what to do when anxiety comes. In fact, Peter tells us that it will come and then he tells us how to deal with it. And the truth is, and we all live in this world, this fallen and perfect world, the truth is there's a real enemy out there and then he's trying to distract you, he's trying to derail the plan and purpose of God for your life. Actually, he's trying to destroy you, the Bible says. Anybody he can get to, and the Bible talks about how he does that and how he operates and Peter gives us some great insight. So let me start reading in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 11. I hope that you got live notes. I'm going to be going back and forth in this passage. Really want to try and teach and not be so preachy today. I don't know if that's going to happen. But so uh, hang with me in the live notes and let's start here in 1 Peter 5, 5. In the same way, Peter talking to this church, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Boy, what a great place for an amen from 50 and above at least. Come on. Come on, right there. That was a huge shout out, right? Hey, what a great place for parents, right? Come on, there you go. Preach it, Pastor. That was a, that was a great place right there. But, but what Peter is really saying here is, now understand Peter right now at this point in his life, he's a lot older than we read him in the Gospels. He's, he's, been, he's been walking and following God for a long time. And really what he's saying is, you need to listen to me because I've had some experience I want to teach you out of this. He says, I'm going to teach you some things because I've walked through some things. And isn't that, that true that the elders are, are those that are older and you're trying to talk to somebody younger and you're trying to, hey, listen, trust me, I've been there. I've done that. I'm trying to help you out. I kind of think that's kind of what Peter's coming from right there. And then he says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. We're going to hold on to that thought. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety. Now, if you have the New King James, it might say cares. But cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the real enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And can I say this? I don't know if this encourages you. You're not the only one going through stuff. 
I don't know about you, but that makes me feel comfortable. In fact, I look for someone that's going through worse stuff and hear what they're going through, it makes me encouraged. But you know, the whole body of Christ around the world, the truth is the enemy doesn't want any of us fulfilling what God has. And so it's good to know that you're not the only one. We're all walking out these challenges and trials in life. And it goes on to say this in verse 10, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen? Amen. And so Peter's starting to tell us a little bit, this church rather, and us today, about an assignment or attack of the enemy, and it comes in the form of anxiety. And he's really wanting us to understand that the battle's real, it happens to all of us, and it happens uh, pretty much regularly. And so we need to be aware of that. And he's, you know, he's looking, for, the, the, the truth is he's looking to ruin somebody's life. I mean, let's just say it. he's looking to ruin a marriage, he's look, looking to ruin a family, he, he's looking to ruin a church, that's what he does, and that's what he's trying to do. But know this, not everything that happens in life is because of the devil. And I think we need to say that, because I think we give so many, he gets credit or blame for so much stuff. I think sometimes when things are happening, the devil's like looking up at God, God's looking down at him, just like, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't need to. They did that on their own, you know? It's like, and it's like, it's just so funny. We hear things all the time like, man, that devil, my phone didn't charge last night. That devil, not today, devil. Devil caused me to oversleep my alarm, right? (laughs) And devil, I I ran out of gas. That devil's after me today. No, you didn't put gas in your car. So there's some things we just will attribute to the devil that it just maybe makes us feel better. I don't know. But the truth is, and here's the reality, that there is a real devil. And he really is out to get you. I mean, I'm not to scare anybody because we don't need to have a spirit of fear because we have the greater one who lives inside of us. But it's important for us to know, that, know this. And the, there's a real attack. And you hear people say this. Maybe you've heard this. I'm under attack. Now, Christians say that. Christians say that because they realize there's a real devil and he's under attack. Now, non-Christians won't say that because they don't believe in God or the devil or whatever. So they may say, everything's falling apart. Nothing's going right for me. Well, it's basically the same thing. But listen, the devil's after not just the pastor, because he's talking to the church here, not just the pastor. It's like, I'm praying for you. People, I'm praying for you, pastor. Thank you for praying for me. I'm praying for you too, because he's out to get whoever he can get. Right? Let's know that. He's out to get single moms. Right? He's out to get mechanics. He's out to get doctors and lawyers and teachers and high schoolers and middle schoolers. He's out to get whoever he can get. He's looking for someone to devour. So the question is, is it you he's after right now? And Peter's focus is warning about the attack of the devil coming in an overwhelming sense of anxiety. So Peter speaks to this as the focal point, I believe, in verse 7 as he addresses the church under attack. And he says, cast all your anxiety. I believe this is the focal point of this passage that we read. Cast all your anxiety or your cares on him because he cares for you. Uh, let's go on and read uh, verses 8 and 9. Guys, we can go ahead and just jump right to 8 and 9. So he says, so be alert. And a sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, which that's funny to me because he gives this big analogy like a lion, and really the only reasonable response when a lion's after you is to run. I mean, really, and resist the devil, he says, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. 
Again, Peter says, when the attack comes, don't run, don't flee, resist. And then he tells us in this passage how to resist. Isn't it good to know they tell you what to do and then how to do it? We just need to do that. You need to do that. I'm thankful that he gives us a little bit more instruction on how to do that. So he tells us how or in what way to resist the enemy. Take a look again back in 1 Peter 5, 6. Are you with me? All right, I'm jumping around a little bit. Hang with me. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 6. Here's he tells us how we resist the enemy or how we deal then or cast our anxiety on God. He says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Or humble yourself, come under the mighty hand of God. Now, we'll explain that in a minute. But listen, in saying that to the church in that day, they were very familiar. This is a powerful image for the Jews back in that day because they've heard story after story after story of God's people, their people, being delivered by the mighty hand of God. I mean, 400 years of slavery and bondage and God's mighty hand delivered them. Then they came to the obstacle of the Red Sea and God's mighty hand parted the Red Sea. And then they're wandering in the wilderness, running out of food, God's hand provided manna. And then they needed water, God's hand brought water from a rock. Come on, every story they're hearing about God's hand, mighty hand intervening for them. And this would have been a very powerful, powerful image. And Peter wants them to know that it's the same mighty hand of God that's still working today. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still covering. He's still providing. He's still protecting. He's still lifting you up. It's the same hand. He says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. How many are grateful for the mighty hand of God? Amen. Come on. Amen. So understand again, Peter's an older man now. And he's speaking from experience. He really wants to get that across from what he's experienced. And so who better to tell us about the mighty hand of God than a man who walked with Jesus? Because walking with Jesus is like walking with God because Jesus even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Peter had personal experience of being, if you will, with the mighty hand of God. He has great experiences. And so Peter says to every believer that is disappointed, discouraged, depressed, worried, uh, uh, crying yourself to sleep at night, ready to give up, he says, don't give up. You've got the upper hand, the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God is strong. The mighty hand of God's over your life. The mighty hand of God can prevail. And I'm reminded every time I walk in that main lobby, that scripture on the wall, it was my dad's uh, life scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And if you find yourself under attack, you need to know the hand of God can keep you, protect you, provide for you, and guide you can make a way where there seems to be no way. The hand of God can part the sea so you can walk through on dry land, amen? The hand of God will lead you. Really, what represents the hand of God or what's reflected of the hand of God is the plan of God. The hand of God will lead you. It will guide you. Peter's, who better to talk about the the plan of God than Peter's? He followed the mighty hand of God. And Peter knows that the hand of God represents the plan of God. Peter knows the hand of God represents the provision of God. Who better to know about the provision of God than the one who saw over 5,000 people fed from a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread? Peter knows that the mighty hand of God is the provision of God because he saw a kid's lunch be multiplied to really feed almost upwards of 20,000 people with leftovers. And Peter saw that when you put provision in the mighty hand of God, it multiplies. 
It multiplies. He can explain it, but it multiplies. And listen, here's a lesson for all of us. If we will come up with our finances under the mighty hand of God and put them in his hand, all he does is multiply that. He does not withhold it. But when we hold on to it, that's all we get. But things, resources put in the mighty hand of God brings multiplication. Peter saw that. He put someone's snack pack in the hand of Jesus and it fed 20,000 people with leftovers. So he knows you need to come up under the mighty hand of God. Does anyone in here know what I'm talking about? Amen. Come on. And so it just keeps coming. Hope keeps coming. Strength just keeps coming. You don't know how, but it just keeps coming. Peace just keeps coming. Joy just keeps coming when you come up under the mighty hand of God. And Peter knew the hand of God was a hand of protection. Come up under the hand of God. Humble yourself. Peter knew because God had him in his hand. I mean, I'm thinking about Matthew 14, and I don't know if you know the story, but all of a sudden his disciples are in the boat, and there's a storm out on the water, and all of a sudden they see Jesus, or that they think may be a ghost, and they realize it's Jesus, and then Peter calls out, Lord, if that's you, then ask me to come, and Jesus says, come, and Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts to walk on the water. And well, let me take a look at the story, Matthew 14, 29. And all of a sudden, he looks at the wind and the waves and starts to sink. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came, listen to this, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, beginning to sink, but not sunk. He cried out, Lord, save me. Look at verse 31. Look at this word right here. Immediately, Jesus reached out the mighty hand of God and caught him and held him in his grip. He was sinking, but not sunk. He was going down, but not under. The lion was roaring, but it wasn't devouring, right? Because the mighty hand of God, and immediately Jesus reached out and said, notice how these scriptures right here are constructed or developed, put together. Notice that Jesus is not walking towards Peter. Peter's walking towards Jesus. So when Jesus sees and hears Peter, he reaches out his hand, and Peter is close enough that he can hold him. So listen, listen, here, here's the thing. Here's what, now the problem with most of us is that we don't stay close enough to Jesus. It's not that we're sinking, it's that we won't stay close enough to Jesus to get in his hand. You gotta come up under the mighty hand of God. You need to know when you stay close to Jesus, you're in his hand even when you're going down. He's, you have, he has you in his grip. He has you in his grip. When the wind and the waves are roaring in your life, you're in his grip. You're in his hand. He's got you in his hand. He has you in his hand of protection. Oh, you might suffer a little while, the scripture says, but he's got you in his hand. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Doesn't matter how well you can walk on water. It matters how close you are to his hand. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It matters about your surrender. It doesn't matter about your ability, it matters about your humility. And so, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up in due time. You know, in my times of anxiety and, and like everyone else, there's those moments and I think about that and when they come and how they come. And anytime there's like a, a struggle or challenge in life, there's just different places. I don't know if you have a go-to scripture in the Bible. I don't know if you have a go-to passage that when you're just facing something in particular, maybe you go there and you feed yourself on it and you just kind of dig into it a little bit more. And I love this passage here uh, with Peter when it talks about uh, casting your cares 
upon God or your anxieties on him. Because I can remember times, and for me, anxiety, I don't know that's necessarily negative things happening. I feel like it's things that I don't feel I can do or like I've gone to a point I can't, in my own strength, I can't do anymore. And so it creates some anxiety. And I'll say times for anxiety come out, hits me like this at times. I just want to be transparent. Maybe it'll help you. It's not necessarily when times are going bad. It's like when things have gone good and we've had a good stretch here at the church. And if I'm not careful, I find myself and it's like, wow, people are getting saved and people are coming and things are great and the church is doing this and reaching people and all this is happening and all of a sudden I find myself in this place. I don't know if I can go further than what I've gone. How did I get to this point? I don't know if we can keep going. How are we going to sustain this? And if we're looking at, is somebody going to come back the next week? I don't know if we can keep this momentum. I don't know if we can keep reaching this amount of people. I don't know if I have the ability. I don't know if I can take us beyond where we can take us. And in those moments, it seems like to me that that's when anxiety comes, when I feel like I have to do something or it's, it's generated by, out of me. And it gets to that place. And I think it could be that place of all of us. It'd be your job if you've performed and you've seen some success. I don't know that I can go beyond that. If you, you've had some accomplishments maybe in a classroom with a group of kids and now you feel like, can I go past that? Can I go even further than that? And maybe it is in, in your family. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's in your marriage. You don't know what's going to, wow, this is a really great year. I don't know how we can go beyond this this next year. And I feel like those are, those are moments that create in a sense of anxiety if I allow them to. And I'm reminded of this passage of scripture. I think it's interesting as Peter is speaking out of his past experience and he's obviously been at this place. And Peter is at one of those, one of those people that I love to study his life and, and here he's telling the church to be about what the enemy is doing. He's prowling, seeking whom he may devour. And the devil doesn't like it when you move forward in God. In fact, when he says this in verse seven, if you'll put it on there, look at what he says and how he says it. He says, cast all your anxiety. He says cast. It's interesting to me, and I'm like, not put or like throw or whatever, but cast. And, and, and again, Peter, remember, he's, he, he's speaking out of his experiences. And I just wonder maybe if, if Peter is speaking about the time that, that he saw a man standing on the shore and he fished all night. And Peter was a fisherman and he was in the boat and they fished all night. And they didn't catch anything. And all of a sudden there's a man on the shore yelling out to him, say, hey, cast your net on the other side. And, and, and he, he, he yells back, he says, but we fished all night. And, and he can see, but I'm a fisherman. It's what I do. You don't look like you've ever even been in a boat but nevertheless he says at your word I'm going to cast my net. Maybe Peter's talking about that moment when Jesus called out to him and Peter had done things in his own way and had tried to accomplish something and tried to make something happen here and was at that place and nothing happened. And all of a sudden, Jesus is calling out to him. And maybe this is the moment when he used this word cast. He remembered, he threw himself, and he was obedient to the words of Jesus. And so he cast his net to the other side of the boat and caught this huge catch of fish. Maybe what Peter is saying to us is, don't try and do everything in your own strength and your own ability. Do it. What Jesus is telling you to do. Come up under the mighty hand of God. Maybe don't try and control this. Maybe don't try and maintain something. Maybe don't try and think that you have it all figured out and in your own sense of, uh, of ability. Maybe you should just listen and humble yourself and say, okay, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. And actually, this is really kind of how you do this. And I've seen people do this. But nonetheless, I'm going to come up under your mighty hand and I'm going to cast my net because you said to. Maybe relinquishing control. How about we try it Jesus' way? Maybe Peter's saying it's like, it's better to be obedient to God. I love that. Cast your anxiety on him. Makes me wonder if he's talking about our obedience, humbling ourselves, coming up under him. I I, I love that, that picture. And here's what I believe. Sometimes anxiety in our life is our unwillingness to be obedient to Jesus. 
And so there's things that we're trying to do that we were never created or intended to do. And we're carrying a weight that we were never meant to carry. And so we need to humble ourselves then. We tried your way maybe. And because it can't, you can't do it and accomplish it, that creates an anxiety. But Peter says how to deal with that is to cast your net then on the other side. Come up under the mighty hand of God and do it his way. His way. Look at what it says in 5, verse 5 again. We'll start here. We'll read a couple more. In the same way you who are younger submit. Again, hey, speaking out of my experiences, what he's telling us. He says this in the next verse. All of you clothe. Say clothe. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, now get in picture, but shows favor to the humble. All of you clothe yourselves, so humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Could you guys go back to uh, the next, this previous scripture, please, the previous one. All of you clothe yourself. You know that word right there, clothe? If you read this in the original language, which is Greek, Peter wrote it in Greek, that word clothe means tie on. Clothe means tie on. Like Jesus did. Maybe, maybe Peter was remembering the night they all gathered for supper. And they're all sitting around the table. And all of a sudden, Jesus got up from the table. I don't know if you remember the story. He got up from the table and he went over and he got a towel, a servant's towel. And he grabbed the towel. And you know what he did? He tied it around himself. He tied it on himself. That's the same word. Maybe Peter is speaking of a past experience where Jesus tied on the towel of a servant. And he said this. He goes, serve one another. Humble yourselves to serve. And then Peter was the one who said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, then you don't have any part of me. And then he says, and you need to do this to everybody else. Maybe Peter's giving us insight on how to deal with anxiety. It comes from humbling ourselves up under the mighty hand of God and be willing to put on the position of a servant. I don't have this all figured out, but whatever you say, I'm going to do, God. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that servant. But, you know, really, it helps us understand this. And Peter was maybe when Jesus was clothed in humility, and he speaks to that here a little bit. Maybe that's what he's thinking about. If you take a look at verse 6 and 7 again in the NIV, let's read that. In the NIV, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, period. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, a lot of times, again, to really get the really full meaning of a passage of Scripture, you need to go back to the original language. And Peter wrote this again, as I said, in Greek. If you read this and translate it differently from the Greek original language, it really speaks to it a little bit differently. It says it differently. So in order to understand the essence of the scripture, sometimes you have to go back to the original language. So Peter writing this in Greek, in the original Greek language, these are not two separate sentences. They are one sentence. They're not two separate thoughts. Let's take a look at at the uh, English version, or the ESV version Mine went blank on what that stood for, but 1 Peter 5, 6. But it's a better translation from the original Greek. Now listen, the same scripture, here's what he says. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, comma, continuation, meaning that what comes next is predicated on what just came, right? So he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And here's what Peter's saying. You don't get verse 7 if you do not do verse 6. Because it's one continuous thought. You don't get verse 7 unless you do verse 6. Now that's an important point because here's what I believe in that. Uh, the, the problem is we try to get our anxieties or our cares cast on him and still keep our pride or keep our way. We still try and keep our own control. I want verse 7 
And we pray that out. We plead that out. Oh, Lord, take this. I'm casting my care on you. 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 But I'm good. I maintain this. But I want to maintain this. But I want to do it my way. But can you just take this care? Take these cares. I'm, I'm asking you to take these cares for me. But I want to make control. I want to do it my way. And that's the truth. That's what we do. You can't separate the two. You don't get verse seven if you don't do verse six. It doesn't happen that way. And we need to learn. We've been trying to cast our care or keep our control or our pride. And really, here's what you need to know. You need to know that pride and anxiety come together. That's basically what he's saying. If he's talking about humility and talking about humbling yourself, what's the opposite of that? Pride. So you're saying if you're operating in pride or maintaining your own control, doing it your way, you're going to come with anxiety because you're not wired, you're not created in a way to carry this yourself. And until you learn to walk in humbleness or humility, you're going to carry a weight you weren't designed to bear. And it's going to create an anxiety in you. So Peter says the way to combat our anxiety is to make sure that how we cast it over on him is by humbling ourselves and casting our net on the other side and doing what he's asking us to do, doing it his way, surrendering to him and relinquishing our own control. They're tied together. You can't just do seven because you decide to. They go together. When we find ourselves like, I can't do it, I can't carry it, and that's why I find myself, Lord, I don't know if I can go on, I don't know how I can make this happen further, I don't know if I can go further than we've gone, this has been great where we're at, but I don't know if I can carry this anymore, I don't know that I can see the future, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, how can I, how can I? But look at the word anxiety and how it's spelled. Take a look in the English real quick here. Anxiety, look at how it's spelled. What's at the center of that word? Let's take a look there. What's at the center of anxiety? Well, we already said that anxiety and pride go hand in hand, so let's take a look at the word pride. What's at the center of the word pride? What's at the center of pride? I. Now, I know there's no I in team, but there is an anxiety and a pride. And so here's the thing. We cannot put ourselves at the center. The reason you're so anxious is because you have you at the center, and you can't sustain it because it's not yours to sustain. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I'll make it if I, if I, if I, if I. You can't spell anxiety without I in the middle or pride without I in the middle. And maybe you have anxiety you can't get rid of because you've been carrying a weight that you weren't meant to carry. And you need to cast your net on the other side and come up under the mighty hand of God. Here's what I... I think that when we read these scriptures, casting your, casting your anxiety on him is not a command. That's how we read it when there's a period before it. It's not a command, it's a result. What's the command? Humble yourself. <laughs> we, we see it differently, don't we? Because we read it wrong. We think it's cast him, casting him, I'm commanded, I'm supposed to cast. No, that's a result of the command being humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Of casting your net on the other side, trying it his way, being obedient to what he has said and asked you to do. So we need to humble ourselves up under the mighty hand of God. The command is to humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And when you do, the, ang- the, the, the anxiety goes with the pride. The anxiety is the result, Peter's saying, of a lack of humility. Anxiety, in other words, is the fruit, and pride is the root. 
So here's what I know. If pride creates anxiety and that's the fruit, then in order for me to deal with anxiety, I need to go to the root. So Peter's saying, in order to deal with anxiety, you need to go to the root, which is a lack perhaps of humility, or not willing to humble yourself up under the mighty hand of God. Surrendering to God. Are you with me? And Peter's telling us how to deal with this. So we need to get, our, get ourselves out of the center and put God in it and get to this place that I, lead, I need you, God. I can't breathe without you. I can't move without you. I can't think without you. I can't see without you. I can't eat without you. I can't sleep without you. I can't get up without you. I don't have peace without you. I don't have joy without you. I don't have provision without you. I am nothing without you, God. I want you at the center of everything I am. And all of a sudden, then God reaches down his mighty hand and lifts you up. That's what Peter's saying. That's how we deal with that place. We surrender, come to that place and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. God says, then now I'm ready to lift you up. Get yourself out of the center. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast your net on the other side. Do it his way. Who better to teach us humility than Peter? Not a very humble guy initially. (laughs) But this is decades later that he's writing this. He says, hey, I learned a thing or two. In fact, take a look at Mark Mark 14. Mark 14, 29. They're all gathered again around a table and Jesus says that you're all gonna fall away. You're all gonna leave me. He says what's gonna happen and he says and you're all gonna leave me. Here's Peter. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. And then look what Jesus says. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Peter, today, yes, tonight, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Jesus warned Peter of the attack, and Peter still failed. But if you follow that scripture out, Jesus tells him, the devil's trying to sift you as wheat, but I pray for you, Peter. I pray for you. Oh, you might fail, but I pray for you. Isn't it good to know that even in our failings, God is praying, Jesus is praying for us. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. See, we will fail, but he will not. And you may hit rock bottom. And he says, Peter, you're going to fail and hit rock bottom. And when you do at rock bottom, I'm the rock you can build your foundation on. I'm the rock that you can start building on. Oh, you'll fail, but I will never fail. And I am praying for you. But when you hit rock bottom, know that that rock might just be the foundation that now you can build on. Who better to teach us than Peter? Decades later, Peter warns the church about an attack and tells them to humble themselves because the devil prowling, roaring like a lion, looking for someone to devour, someone he can get to quit, someone he can get to give up, someone he can get to walk away. Peter says, this is not the time to run, but it's the time to resist. Yes, he looks like a lion and the natural response to a lion roaring and breathing down your neck is to run, but he says, no, instead it's to stay, stand and resist. If you'll surrender, not to the one who looks like a lion, but to the one who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the son of God. And you surrender yourself to him and humble yourself. And God says, and he will lift you up. He will strengthen you. He will make you steadfast. And after you've suffered, he says this, Jesus, God himself, after you've suffered a little while, will lift you up and restore you. See, the devil can only go so far and do so much. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And listen to what it said in that scripture. And in due time, he will lift you up. Here's what, I, here's what I felt leading up to today. It's somebody's due time in here. 
I don't know who that is. I, I had my due time first service. I have more things I guess I could add into this service too. I got enough to cover both, let me tell you, right? It's somebody's due time in here right now. It's due time for you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and allow him to lift you up, releasing the anxiety that you've carried for so, so long and you were never meant to carry. If you'll just cast your net on the other side. It's your due time. Say, it's my due time. It's my due time. It's my due time. I declare, let's stand to our feet. It's my due time. It's my due time. Here's what I want to ask with every eye closed. Just want you to just be, God knows, God sees, but if you're in here today and you feel like we described, you feel like the weight of the world, you feel like anxiety is just overwhelming you. You feel like the devil is roaring and breathing down your neck. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Let me see. Just raise your hand. Wow. Wow. Well, this message is for you. And let me say to so every hand that was raised, it's your due time. And so let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment, Father God, that we can recognize where we are. And therefore, we can humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Father, if we need to repent, if we need to ask you to forgive us for trying to do things in our own strength and ability, for carrying the weight we were never meant to carry, then forgive us. But right now, we determine to cast our net to the other side. We are humbling ourselves, Father God, under your mighty hand, under your plan, under your provision, under your protection, Father God. We come up under the mighty hand of God. Your due time is today. You know what? Let's all sing. Let's take a minute and just sing and just come up, position ourselves to come up under the mighty hand of God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.